Good morning, good afternoon or good evening to the Honour Volley podcast with me, Gary Montague. Unfortunately, I minus my partner in crime, Nick Slade, who is laid up tonight. Get well soon, mate. But we're going to crack on with a new feature in the show, a question-answer session. I'm joined in the studio by our social media expert, Karen Merry, who's been trawling through the comments and posts to come up with some interesting talking points from this weekend's games. So without further ado, good evening, Karen. Hi, Gary. You all right this evening? Very good, thank you. Very good. Uh, enjoyed eight games on the trot this weekend. So I'm sort of a little bit footballed out, but I'm quite ready to uh, answer some questions. Yeah, and also, uh, after listening to your podcast with Nick, you know, you actually said that his uh, goal predictions were going to be 15 goals. And I think we had quite near, near that, pretty much half of that in the Liverpool game alone. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, Nick, if you're uh, if you're listening, mate, then obviously you you predicted plenty of goals this weekend. And, yeah, we've been treated to, oof, I don't even know how many goals. But it must be over 30 goals this weekend already and still two more games to come tomorrow, which Nick and I will be previewing um, tomorrow. So... What have we got tonight, and what are we gonna what are we gonna look at? You've you've been looking through well, the I Facebook and and uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram, all sorts. So I have been, but I don't think we we can't not start by going to the Champions, really, can we? So we have to start with the Liverpool Palace game, don't we? So such a superb performance. Do you think the win win over Tottenham has influenced that result at all? Yeah, I do. I I, I really do. I think that in in that game, um, uh, you saw. It was quite an even game, and I think Tottenham had chances to to win that game uh, quite close uh, near to the end. Really, uh, Harry Kane missed a chance in that game quite close to the end, and they had another chance. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but I think Liverpool scoring that goal late as they did, you saw the uh, the euphoria of that and the, the celebrations when the final whistle went, and it just gave them the. Uh, I think it's just giving them the push now to to kick on. And to and to keep going this season, and that was shown obviously on Saturday with a, an amazing seven nil performance. I watched I watched the whole game. I mean, they were awesome. It was men against boys really. And Palace is normally a really they were pretty good. Palace is normally a different, a really difficult place to go, but they made it look really easy. Well, come on, look, Palace got a result against Tottenham. You know, they they picked up a point against Tottenham at the end of the day, and Liverpool have gone there and smashed them. So, do you think? This is now Liverpool coming back and going, yeah, we're up for this. We're going to win the title. I think so, yeah. I think that the interesting thing from that Tottenham game was that um, I watched that game last week against Palace as well, and Tottenham were 1-0 up, and I thought Tottenham could have easily kicked on in that game, but they decided to do what Mourinho does and, and try to, to close Palace down and not let not let Palace in. Once Palace equalised, with about eight minutes to go, um, Tottenham had... They just piled on the pressure and... and, and and really could have won the game in the end. But if they would have done the same all the way through, they could have probably got not a similar result to Liverpool, but I think they could have beaten Palace. But like you say, moving back to Liverpool, um, yeah, I think this is, it was definitely the, um, that that Tottenham result was definitely a, a key factor in now pushing them on. And um, yeah, I think they're going to fly now. Yeah, I, I agree. So going on from that, we'll move on to the Tottenham Leicester result today. Obviously, Leicester being triumphant in that. Uh, Tottenham losing at home. Um, the feel around the Facebook pages, uh, so the Tottenham Hotspur fans page, is that 
they feel Mourinho experimented with the team. What's your views on that? Um, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say, in my opinion, it didn't look as though he'd experimented with the team too much because it, it, it seemed like a, a fairly sort of um, a, a regular Tottenham side. There might have been one or two changes. So, sorry, maybe on. if I just, so just so you know, so someone, Jason Sumner, said the experiment with the Lo Celsa and, excuse me, non. Don Bella. Lacelso and Don Bella, yeah. Yeah, didn't work. Right, okay. Um, yeah, because they've looked pretty solid, um, Tottenham in midfield. And, um, yeah, and Don Bella normally is the guy that gets taken off. But I, th I think that, once again, I think Mourinho probably tried to approach that game in the way that he approached the, uh, the Arsenal game, although Arsenal are a slightly different proposition at the moment to Leicester. But he probably tried to approach it in the same way as he did the Man City game as well. Maybe... Um, trying to soak it up maybe and uh, but Leicester's game plan completely through Tottenham and to be honest for me Leicester looked comfortable all the way through that and Tottenham did seem to they didn't seem to get started but I think that was more down to to the way Leicester played and the way Leicester set up rather than possibly Mourinho making the mistake there you know yeah, so so you feel the Tottenham fans have been a bit harsh that you think that Leicester actually took the game to Tottenham well, yeah, I think so. I think maybe, maybe um, I don't know why they would, but maybe Tottenham underestimated Leicester a little bit because Leicester have had a few dodgy results. But um, uh, yeah, Leicester definitely um, won the tactical battle there. And I just think that Tottenham couldn't cope with it. I, th I can understand Tottenham supporters getting a bit irate because now that's one point from the last three games. And um, you know, three games ago, they were probably thinking, OK, we've got a good chance here of... Of, um, of fighting for the title, and now they've seen one point from three game, one point from three games. So there's probably a little bit of um, disappointment there, you know. About the last three games, though, I mean, like obviously Palace, they probably, I don't know, should have probably maybe picked up points there. But then you Liverpool and Leicester, you know, it's probably a bit harsh on Mourinho. Do you not think to sit here and sort of blame him that he's experimenting? It is a little bit, but um, I think that's the, the nature of the beast when it comes to Mourinho and Tottenham. Um, if they're flying, then, you know, he's going to be the, the saviour, isn't he? But as soon as something goes not quite right or he makes a, a bad tactical decision or plays the wrong player or whatever, it's quite easy to um, to, to not turn against him, but to, to dig him out, you know, because of that previous Chelsea and Man United connection. But... Um, I'm not saying that that's what they're doing, but you know, I think that if if Mourinho does make a mistake, it's going to be seized upon. And um, but I just think that uh, it's funny actually because we were talking in the show, uh, Nick and I, uh, a week or so ago, and he felt Nick felt that that um, Tottenham were going to have a little blip, and it seems that this is their blip at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you talking about that. Yeah, yeah, you said that. Uh, I think you said that earlier actually in your earlier podcast. You mentioned about the blip with Nick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that we'll, you know we'll see how Tottenham bounce back from this disappointment now. Yeah. Okay. So we so moving on from that. So we've got to go from one side of North London to the other. So the big question is uh, obviously Arsenal losing against Everton. Um, so Arteta, what do you think? See through till Christmas or go now? It's been mixed reviews, I think, on a lot of the fan pages on Facebook. 
I think it's going to be 50-50 on that one. Uh, or maybe slightly more towards that uh, Arteta needs to go. Um, a lot of people are looking at his his inexperience as being a factor in this now. And um, do you not do you not think there was a bit of a high expectation of on him after like living up to Guardiola's? You know, he's always been Guardiola's second man. Do you know what I mean? Do you not think there was that expectation of him? Yeah, there, there was. I mean, he's, he has come in with a, a a sort of reputation for someone who's never managed a team. So it's you know, I mean, it, it's possibly a little bit unfair. But when you when you're taking on one of the biggest clubs in the country, then you've got to expect that because you know he, he's he's not cutting his teeth at a championship or a League One side. He's coming into you know one of the top four or five clubs in the country. You know, and yeah, but the problem the problem is he came in, he won the FA Cup. And no, then, absolutely. Do you think that expectation was higher? Well, I think higher, I think the reason for that was because of the way um, they uh, Arsenal played in the semi-final against Man City, and then in the final against Chelsea, they they set up tactically perfectly. They frustrated both Chelsea and Man City in those games. They were very good defensively, and they caught both of them teams on the break. And I think that that's where the um, uh, that's where the the hope and expectation come from. The way that uh, Arsenal fans were looking at how Arsenal were pressing all over the pitch. They were working hard as a team, and that seems to have gone. Now I don't know. Uh, I remember hearing. So that sorry. leads me to my next question, Gary. Mm. In that apparently there's a lot of stuff going around that the team aren't playing for Arteta anymore. Yeah. You know, I think I, I heard in a podcast with you and Nick the other day. Was it David Louise and Willian? You know, they were the the key people that you mentioned in your podcast previously mm. so do you think it's that kind of element that the team aren't playing for Arteta do you think that every, the fans are you know it's very easy to go for the manager isn't it every time but do you think it's the team not playing for Arteta I think to be honest I mean yeah that was one of the things we did touch on but I think to be honest there is a lot as I've said before there is a lot rotten at Arsenal and it starts from the very top you've got the uh, the Cronkey um the Cronkies in charge uh KSE group and they are they literally have no interest in football from what I see that their love obviously is American sports and you know they they've got the LA Rams there that they're very much involved with them and it's very different to the um the Fenway group which are which uh, come out of America and are in charge at Liverpool they had a very a uh, specific plan, a specific way they wanted to do things at Liverpool, whereas these guys don't seem to have that same level of interest at Arsenal and it starts from there and then it moves down when you look at um, the technical director, Edu, who's come in, who doesn't have um, the greatest pedigree of, of working at, um, at big clubs he's got a limited time in Brazil national squad and a limited time with um, Corinthians in Brazil as well um, and a bit of time in Iran, I believe, as well. So, I mean, he's not... Edu's not had the experience. You've got Mikhail Atessa, who's not got the experience. You've got um, Vinay... I can never say his surname, but um, he's he's um, he's in there as well. So that's the team of people, and they're all very inexperienced, and, um, and I think that's showing. And I remember at the time when Atessa was being appointed, I... I was hopeful that he was going to do a good job because he's he's got the Arsenal DNA. He loves a club and you know and that sort of thing. But obviously, 
you, that's not always going to be good enough. And at the time, I thought that Arsenal needed an experienced manager to come in. And I remember suggesting um, uh, Ancelotti or, or Benitez at the time, someone like that, just to steady the ship from what, what had been happening in a strong voice. And maybe that's where they have to go this time. You know, I'm not saying that... I, I think Arteta's on very thin ice, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. In... Sorry, I just got a little bit distracted there because actually I said that we were going to use some points from... Um, so it's Hugh Besson yeah. um, on the uh, Arsenal... Uh, uh, Facebook page. He's literally just messaged me as we were doing this podcast, saying invite me on the show. All so right. Maybe, okay. um, <laughs> so maybe we need to do some. You, you and Nick need to do some, you know, club-focused stuff. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm quite. You yeah. say Hugh. Yeah. Do you say Hugh? Hugh. 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 Hugh Besson. Yeah. Okay. Hugh. Mary, invite me on then. Okay. Right. So well, I'm going to use your po points on my podcast. Great points. Uh, he was the one who actually, uh, if I'm going back, sorry, I'm just going through my phone. Um, he was the one who calls to Sacco Arteta, the board, lynch the owner, drive anyone out, town, well, <laughs> pitchforks and torches. I mean, do you people, you know who you are, actually watch the games? Yeah, okay. Well, that, that's interesting <laughs> he because said, he's, he's mentioned... He actually said, I, he put, I turned on my PC this morning and the first thing I read was... That team aren't playing for Arteta anymore. So this is so Hugh. Yes, this is where my point came from. Um, and Hugh said he'd actually love to come and talk to you on the show. So yeah, absolutely we'll brilliant. Through. I mean, it, it, it sounds like Hugh has got similar views to me. So um, it, we could have a, a right a good chat with that one. And um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think but... we need to get. I think you and Nick get on more Facebook groups. I'm sure fans would be willing to do podcasts and stuff. That'd be, I think that'd be really No, good absolutely. Show. And I think, I think that, um, obviously Nick is fully on board with that. And he, he'd, um, he'd more than welcome a chat about Arsenal and him being a Manchester United fan. He, he'll obviously, <laughs> he'll obviously see yeah, it from a, yeah, okay. from an unbiased point of view, wouldn't he? I you know, I don't, I don't, obviously Man United, like 6-2. Do you know, do you know, actually when I was watching it, I can't even remember what it was at. It was, 4-1 at half time and I was sitting there thinking 4-1 at half time mm. I was thinking come on are we going to have like a, a West Ham Tottenham thing where, where Leeds are going to like get it in the bag and we're going to like have a, a three goal smash up um, <laughs> and they're going to be a 4-4 but um, you know unfortunately that didn't happen sorry no, you, you got um, you, I'm sorry you got, <laughs> you got to say as impartial as, pos uh, as impartial as possible on here really but yeah no, <laughs> no I mean no, I, I mean <laughs> That, that Man United game, obviously they tore Leeds apart in the first 20 minutes. I mean, by by four minutes, they were 2-0 down Leeds. I don't think they knew what hit them. But that's Leeds for you, you know. That's that's Leeds defending for you, you know. Uh, you know what? The fact that, the fact that like, it was 4-1, I think. Did it go 4-2? Was it 4-2? I can't even remember now. There's goals going in all over. No, it went 5-1. It went 5-1. Oh, 5-1. Yeah, five, Daniel one. James yeah, scored. Yeah. 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 Mm. But um, it didn't seem that Leeds gave up. I haven't actually watched... Uh, the highlights as yet, but did, did Leeds give up, Gary? Did they, did they no, like they no. To... I, I, I just think Leeds play the way they play, and that's the, that's what they do. They're no, they're not going to change. Um, Bielsa's got them set up to play a certain way. He's been doing it all season. Um, they went to Anfield, and I think they lost four three there. You know, so um, they're you know it's the way they play. You know, they they try and score as many goals as they can, but it leaves them open at the back and. Um, and Man United completely took advantage of that today, you know. So, but you know, by by the time the twenty minutes, the game was over, you know. So, it was an impossible task. So, it was a it was a good. Um, I'd say it was a 
a learning curve for uh, Leeds there, but whether they change the way they do things, I very much doubt. I think they'll just play the way they do all season, like we saw against Newcastle the other day. They won 5-2, so that some teams are going to outscore and sometimes some teams are going to outscore them. That's just what happened today. Yeah, they're still they're, they're three points above Arsenal now. They're in 14th, so. Oh know. really? Three points above yeah. Arsenal. Three but, points above Arsenal. Hmm. Leeds, so so that I mean that's funny that when you think obviously Leeds and Arsenal are coming from different places, but you know when you're thinking that Arsenal are having what they call a disastrous season and and Leeds are having what people are calling a, a decent season. Obviously Leeds are a Championship side, been promoted, so it's different. And Arsenal were a fallen giant, you know. So I get it, you know. But um, yeah, just Leeds are one of those sides, though, aren't they? You just I don't know. Even though you say they're a new championship time, they just feel like a Premier League club. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've been saying that on the podcast, Munich, since the start, really. We've been saying that um, a lot of people are forgetting that they are a promoted side, you know, and they're expecting a lot from them. But they're just fine. Yeah. They're finding their feet in this league, so, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. Anyway, moving on to Big Sam's first game in mm. charge. Mm. So, uh, the result, probably not going the way that Sam wanted it to be. So just 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 to uh, so we went on to the West Bromwich Albion official fan group page. Uh, Andrew Doyle, uh, he said, "Tell me, House's challenge wasn't as bad as Livermore, shafted by VAR again." What's your <clears throat> view on that, Gary? Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the um, the first challenge, Livermore's one, and obviously they showed it from different angles and time and time again, and clearly he got the ball and made very little contact if any with Jack Grealish and obviously they've sent him off because of how it looked because it looked as though it could have been nasty if he would have caught Grealish it could have been a damaging tackle yeah I get it I get that but the actual tackle for me although he it looked aggressive I thought it was a good tackle and I think he was very unfortunate uh, to be sent off but that's the way it is. If you do that sort of tackle nowadays, you're going to get sent off. It's just the way it is, you know. Um, and then to see the one, uh, I'm not sure how much With longer. Jordan Pick- how much? Well, yeah. I mean, we we'll go to that one. But just, I'm just thinking just, about Jordan Pickford. About yeah, the one on Van Dyke. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm thinking of the Courtney House one. Um, that to me looked. Uh, it actually looked worse. The way, because I thought that he'd actually caught his ankle, and I thought, "Wow, that could be an ankle breaker," and I was very surprised that it was um, only a yellow card. Um, and I, I, I get why uh, West. Sorry, what did you say the West Brom guy's name was? Uh, Andrew Doyle. Andrew, yeah, I, I completely get why Andrew um, feels a sense of injustice there because. Um, Hundred percent. I mean, you know, if one's a red, the other ones are red. If one's a yellow, the other ones are yellow. That I mean. They're different tackles, but they could both be seen as uh, ankle okay. breakers, gonna, or you know. I'm going to ask the big question. Go on now. Yeah. Well, the big question that everyone's talking about. Mm. What do you think of VAR in general? <laughs> I think VAR is a a very good tool to have. I think the people running it are the people that are, are spoiling it. Um, I think that they're not putting the right. Uh, rules in place for example with the offsides like uh, the um, James Madison goal that was disallowed today for Leicester I thought that was disgusting because it was a wonderful goal it was a beautiful first touch a fantastic finish 
and he I think his shoulder was offside or something so for me <laughs> it's, it's literally like a hair I'm not I'm not even joking I think I think it was his shoulder uh and to see a goal like that which was brilliant two touches it was a brilliant goal brilliant first touch brilliant second touch in the back of the net you know and you know against one of the the best goalkeepers in the league as well you know so it, it was a fantastic goal and they they and they ruled it out for something like that now for me I would say personally to clear up this whole putting the lines up to see if his arms off, if his his necks, I don't know, whatever part of his body's Sometimes off. Like I, why why don't they say it's feet? Just say it's the feet where the where the position of the feet are, you know? Because predominantly you score a goal with your feet. I know you can score a goal with your head, but predominantly it's the foot, you know? So whoever's got the advantage, say you're in a race or whatever, and it's the foot. So if the foot's in front of the defender's foot. I don't know why we're picking all these different parts of the body. If they make it the feet, it would be so easy because it would be so easy to see. So, like I said, I think the VAR is is a good thing. However, again, yesterday, Fulham, I felt, was a little bit injustice for them with the penalty uh, on Callum Wilson because the actual pull of the shirt was outside the area from Anderson, the Fulham defender, mm. and uh, Callum Wilson's got into the area and there's no contact and he's fallen over. So I think that it's not so much the um, the VAR system because it's there, and when they show it over and over again, I can quite clearly Do you make my mind up. It's more the officials. It is more who is deciding mm. it, you know. So it's still yeah. human error, you know. Um, it's still the one. Thing is as well, like I mean, what do you what do you deem of? side i mean like is it is it literally like you say a, a toenail like how much are we going to the offside well, I, rule now i would yeah no of course yeah but i just think it would just be simple if it was just the feet yeah all right if your toe yeah. if your toe is offside that's part of your foot you're offside you're further forward than the other guy you your running speed or your your running movement you've got more of an advantage over that guy yeah if it's your arm or yeah. your shoulder or your elbow or whatever, you know, that's not giving you the advantage. I'm, it's got to be, for me, just the feet. Just look at the feet, where they are. And it makes it so simple because anyone who's watching it can say, oh, yeah, his foot's in front of the other foot. Easy. Because half the time yeah. they put these lines up, I don't even know what part of the body they're looking at. It's like, well, what are you, <laughs> what are you looking at here? Is it, you know, what, what's going on? You know, so, yeah, uh, you know, it, it could be... <sighs> I, I don't know. I just think that that would make it simple and that would make it easy for everyone to follow and you could say, right, yeah. okay, is his foot in front of his foot? Yeah, job done. So you, okay. So what you're saying what you're saying is is that it's unclear as to, you know, you think you think it should be the feet. I do, you know, personally. It be, it's because they put the lines up and you think, well, what, well, are, you, what are you saying? What, something, something his shoulder. People, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, uh, you know. Maybe v VAR is a question by itself that you and Nick need to take back to the average fan yeah absolutely. but uh, uh, anyway uh i think the only way we can some like end things off is with sheffield united really isn't it yeah so a, a point okay so a point good result despite the sending off you and nick said in previous <clears throat> podcasts that they both that sheffield united have always shown the determination um and haven't really kind of been you know uh, you know thrashed by anyone but are they down and out do you still feel that after tonight 
they've got a chance or is that it now for Sheffield United unfortunately you know again I kind of see Sheffield United as a kind of Premier League championship club kind of you know they're kind of there aren't they but uh, did, know, what do you did, think? Well, did you get any comments from any any Sheffield United or Brighton fans on there? Or, or is there I, anything... I can have a quick look. While yeah, well, no, it. okay, yeah. Um, so, no, what I found today with Sheffield United was um, obviously they they done well to to get in front from the position they were in because they were obviously down to ten men again, another sending off, um, and and obviously it's a it was good to see that the young lad. Bogle, I think he got he got his first goal for the club, and they went in front, and obviously they were defending for their lives. But Brighton were pressuring so much that um, it, it I just don't. It was just almost inevitable that Sheffield United were eventually going to um, give something up because um, Brighton were pushing so much, and they just had a couple of chances before they scored before the Welbeck goal actually, uh, Brighton. And I think they had a chance after it as well. So maybe Sheffield United might think, okay, well we had ten men for a long time, so it's actually pretty good that we that we come out of it with a point. As for whether they can survive, I think uh, Nick and I were talking about it the other day, and I thought this was a a must win. Well, you went for the Sheffield United win. I did actually, and I I, I still felt that they were going to nick something, and then obviously when they went well, in. Well, you know, I actually felt the same, Gary. If I'm honest, I thought that this would be the kind of yeah, they would, um, particularly with Brighton's home yeah. record being so bad. You know, I just thought that this was the game, and and it almost was, to be honest, but they just couldn't hold out. And um, I think that... I wouldn't say that they're down. I mean, we keep sort of talking about it on the on the main podcast that that we think that um, that they're possibly gone. But um, with the other... thing is, the Christmas, the Christmas thing is the big thing, is it? Who's top of the tree at Christmas usually goes on to win the Premiership. It's all that. Who's ever bottom usually goes down. That's the big talking point with all the standard pundits, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But I think that the biggest talking point is that they still haven't got a win. You know what I mean? And, and that's yeah. the confidence must be just draining out of them guys every time they get off that pitch. You know, they just need that win. And the, but the, I was just about to say that the, 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 the hope... For Sheffield United, is that teams like West Brom are losing, teams like Fulham aren't picking up three points, teams like uh, Brighton are still down there, teams like Burnley are going to still be down there. They're still not. If they put a little run, I know it's difficult, but if they put a couple of wins together, they're not out of it. But they've got to do it now. You know, they've got to do it. Yeah. ASAP. You know, otherwise they are. Yeah, I think, yeah. It's just, it's just interestingly enough, you asked me to look on the groups. Um, for some reason, that doesn't seem to be anything for Sheffield United, but West uh, Brighton, sorry, not West Brom. Brighton, um, I think that proves Potter has to go. We couldn't beat the worst team in the league. No wins at home this season. He is a bad manager. And that is from Damien uh, Petoni. OK. Uh, well... <laughs> I think the thing is, Brighton have got to play Arsenal before the end of the year at home, I believe. So they'll get a win this year, won't they? Um, and I, <laughs> I, I said, you know, Bright, Arsenal don't go to Brighton and win. It's a known fact. But so don't be too despondent, Damien. But um, no, I, I, I'd, I'd say that um, Graham Potter. I don't know. They seem to have hit a little bit of a brick wall at the moment, Brighton. They're not quite getting over that line. You know, they do. You know, 
I don't watch every Brighton game, so maybe a Brighton fan can get in touch and tell me. But, you know, is it a myth that they play good football all the time? And whenever I watch them, they seem to create enough chances. But players like Connolly and... Uh, in Mal- all honesty, um, I had, I've got Amazon Prime. And <laughs> I don't think Amazon can cope with the um, streaming. So we were trying to watch the Liverpool-Tottenham game and literally we couldn't get on it. So mm. we resulted, resorted to um, having to watch the... Uh, Fulham Brighton game and it was pretty dire. If I'm yeah, the Fulham Brighton. No, what I was just about what I was just about to say was um, with Bright with Brighton they have. Um, My kids they- were literally trying to get back onto the uh, Liverpool game oh, <laughs> and the right. West Ham game. Yeah, just- no, I understand. But that was never going to be a classic, I don't think, because I think that both teams were quite happy with a point there. But what I was going to say was about Brighton. They've got Connolly, they've got Welbeck, and they've got um, uh, Malpay up front. And they're just not hitting the goals regularly enough, and it's so. I mean, that's that's the key with teams down the bottom. I mean, you know, I don't want to go back to Arsenal, but if you look at the the, the goal scorers at the moment for Arsenal, Aubameyang, uh, Lacazette, they're not scoring yeah. goals. You know, so and any team who hasn't got a regular goal scorer are going to struggle, and I think that's the situation with Brighton. But I think, you know, you can say about um, uh, Graham Potter maybe not being up for the job or whatever, but I think that. I think that he's a he's a good manager. Um, I think Brighton have got a decent manager there. I'm not sure what the expectation is for Brighton. Do they want to be a team that just stays up every year, or are they looking to try and be a, a top ten, top twelve team? I don't know. I think that uh, I've seen it many times through the years when teams have gone, oh he's not good enough. The one that sticks in my head is Charlton when. They were up in the Premier League, and um, Alan Kerbisley was keeping them oh, in that Kirby. in that sort of fifteen, sixteenth place every season. And he was keeping them up every year. And Charlton fans started getting, well, we want more than this. And obviously, they got rid of Kerbisley, and then they dropped down to League One, where they are now. You know, so I'm not saying yeah. it was completely because of that, but I'm just saying, just you know, I think that Graham Potter's a, a decent manager. He's got some good ideas, and he's still uh, he's still just, growing. You know. I'm- I'm reading the comments on that. It just said it's uh, Anton Green's, but it's football. If any of the chances in the first half had gone in, or the two in the dying seconds, you would have been happy as anything. Yeah, that's what. The old yeah. story of a defensive team and the resilience of ten men. Yeah, absolutely. And fact, like, you know, football fans are really fickle. You know, I mean, one week you're you're going to win the league, the next week you're going to get relegated. You know. This is what Tottenham. I think I read on uh, one of the groups actually, Gary, the the the, the um, Tottenham fans. I think actually one of them actually said, "Now we've lost to Liverpool, can we all start off about talking about winning the league?" Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, I agree. You know, it's. I think you know it is it is that expectation, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, that's all the Q&A I have at the moment for you, okay. unless there's anything you want to end on. But, no, that's um... brilliant. No, it's, it's good to, um, I mean, it's really good to, to sort of keep looking at the um, the fan sites on Facebook and that because it, you know. Well, we need it, to get in touch with you, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. No, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it just gives us an insight into, you know, it's all right watching Match of the Day or watching or listening to Five Live or Talk Sport or whatever it is, you know what I mean? But it's really important to get the view of the fans and see how how they're feeling so i mean i think that it's something that we can we can definitely um keep looking into and uh hopefully you know continue do you know, do you know what I'd, do re- I'd really like i think what would be really good is next time hopefully when nick's better mm. is if i pose the questions and you two just have the banter it out because uh 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That'd be quite good. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and uh, obviously that's what we would have done tonight had um, had Nick uh, been available. But um, no, so that's it, really. So, um, do you have, um, as it's your first appearance, do you have a would you like a song that you'd like to finish with, or? Oh, do you know what surprised me, Gary? Surprise you? Okay. <laughs> well, prior pri prior to. Um, uh, prior to um, recording, uh, you said that you were feeling a little bit worried, so I'm going I'm to play this one. And um, and uh, well, thanks for for your input oh. today, and I'll I'll speak to you again. All right. Yes. All right. Slashed and torn
Pressure. Pressure.